0: Welcome to the inner world of filmmaking. I'm your host, Tammy McGarrow I'm a writer, director, editor, and a podcast producer. In this show, I will interview filmmakers in all facets of production and distribution. Today's episode, we're talking to acting coach Terry Ross, who's also a writer, director, actor, and producer. She has also created the San Diego Movie Awards in 2021, which is a quarterly awards festival. Welcome, Terry. So great to have you on the show today.
1: Thanks so much, Tammy. It's great to be
0: here. So how did you get started in the acting, directing, theater, film business?
1: (laughs) That's a big question. So I'll start maybe kind of break it down for acting. I was, my mom was in musical theater and I was always attracted to musical theater. So initially I started out like in dancing choruses and that kind of stuff. And I can remember being on stage in the dancing chorus of Hello, Dolly and going, this is something I really love. In fact, I love it more than anything else, so how could I possibly like make a career out of it? And I started exploring uh schools and classes and stuff like that. This was back in like 1970, I don't know, 6 or something. Anyway, I got myself involved in a children's touring company in California, and that was kind of a first paying gig, and then I was also having no improv experience got into an improv company that was performing in San Francisco, and then they led me to study at acting, uh, American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco. And from then on, I was hooked. So for like 15 years, I was acting and supporting my habit by being a legal secretary, a temporary legal secretary, which would allow me to move in and out of gigs as necessary. And so that was how I got into acting. So how was improv? (laughs) It was a gap. It was so funny. I mean, I go to this audition with somebody who actually went on to become a really famous theater director and founder of the Eureka Theater in San Francisco, Richard White. And they just asked me to start doing like really goofy stuff. And I just did it. And so they were like, okay, you you can be in our company. And so there was no formal improv training. You know, we did some skits that were sort of scripted and some stuff that was just really like improvisational stuff from the audience coming at us. And, and it was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I would think that would be a little scary. I know a friend of mine has said, you got to do improv, you got to do improv. And I'm just like, Oh, my God, I don't know that I could think that fast on the fly was it was it a little nerve-wracking or did you feel like you just went with it
1: yeah it was nerve-wracking but i kind of love the adrenaline and there's some you know something happens your adrenaline's just going and you just mm-hmm. kind of do it and sometimes you fail you know you flop and the audience doesn't find it funny but it's really fun and it helps so much in other situations in acting where you just like Okay, I got to go with it no matter what.
0: I was going to say that like it probably made you a better actor because then you can kind of go with the flow when things are thrown at you. Exactly. Or you have to wing it. Exactly.
1: And there definitely been situations on stage where I had to wing it. So how
0: did you get into directing?
1: Well, again, it was a moment on stage about 15 years after that first moment on stage. I was doing Meg and Crimes of the Heart. And I just remember kind of going, you know, I want to do... More than this, and I don't really know what that is. So I I actually stopped acting after that show, and went back to school uh, for two years to get my BA. I did some acting then. Long story short, I went to Stanford and got a MA in teaching, a teaching credential. Got a job teaching high school, and I had to direct a play. Did All Wilderness, and I just fell in love with it. I just was like. You know, this was such a different experience being involved in the whole picture and rooting for my students instead of worrying about myself on stage and my performance, you know, and it was so gratifying to see the growth in the students. And so uh, luckily, there was an MFA program at UC Davis. I was living in Sacramento at the time and got into that program and got my MFA in directing through them.
0: So with directing, I'm sure that there's a little, maybe a lot difference between theater and film. (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit about directing theater versus directing
1: films? A uh, huge, huge difference, right? I mean, you're still looking at big picture, right? I mean, th- there's correlations. You're still looking at lighting and focus and how you're telling the story and set dressing and, st- you know, all of that, right? But it's linear and you rehearse it linearly and perform it that way. Anyway, and then you have tech rehearsal, right? So you're just working with the actors for however long your rehearsal process is. And then you've got, like, you know, tech week, hell week, as they call it. And you bring in, the you know, the tech. And then the actors have to adapt to the tech, which takes time, too. And then it comes together. But obviously with film, not only are you working non linearly and breaking stuff up so you're shooting out a sequence, but you're doing tech every day. And so it's a huge... That's a huge difference.
0: So um, with theater tech, you're talking about the lighting mm-hmm. and lighting
1: cues. Is that what you're referring to there? Lighting cues, sound cues, even sometimes like you're, you'll rehearse not in the space, right? You'll rehearse in a, in a rehearsal space and then you come in and that's actually when your sets come in and all the, the whole technical stuff happens a week before you go up. And then how are you directing? I know that once it's
0: on, you probably can't really direct the actors anymore right? You're more tech directing at that point once it's, you know, live. Is that correct?
1: Actually, most of the time a, a stage director steps away after opening night and your stage manager runs the show. Okay. Because you're absolutely right. You know, once you get the actors to performance, it's really theirs, you know, and, um and you want them to grow and you don't want to be coming in giving notes all the time. I mean, maybe you'll come in after a couple weeks to make sure they haven't you know, going totally off the rails. Um, but typically <laughs> right. we'd give those notes to the stage manager and she types them up, you know, and the stage manager makes sure that the actors are, you know, making their cues and, you know, hitting the lights or, you know, whatever, right? Um, not going up on their lines. But yeah, you of as opposed to being, through the process every step of the way until, um, until shooting's done.
0: So going from acting to directing, (laughs) now you're coaching actors. Um, so how did you start your business of acting professionally?
1: Well, I had, I'd started teaching acting actually when I got into my MFA for directing program, I was, uh, teaching acting classes at the college for a while. And then I went on to run a theater program at a high school up in Glendale and, and then was teaching at San Diego State, Mesa College, uh, University of San Diego, and for the MFA program. So I was already teaching and coaching acting. And and the way that I got into teaching film acting was um, my agent at the time from Shayman Freitas came to talk to my students at state about auditioning for film and TV. And then talked to me afterwards and said, we need somebody to teach film acting in San Diego. Would you do it? and I'm like I didn't even know how to run a video camera, Tammy, at that point. <laughs> um, and I'm like, uh, okay, and he was great. He found a photographer's studio where I could teach out of and sent me his students and somebody taught me how to push the button on and on a video camera and, and uh that's how it started. Wow.
0: And you've been doing that for how many years now?
1: Over 25 years.
0: Wow. So what's your teaching philosophy?
1: Whatever works. <laughs> 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 so I mean what i what i what I mean by that? I mean, I studied acting for about twenty years with a variety of teachers, from Brit School of Drama to more method type acting and physical acting and voice all, all kinds. and so I try to give my students as many techniques as possible because not every technique works for every student. I just try to give them this plethora of ways they can approach a script and approach a character. And then they can find the method that works best for them.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, there's a type of acting where you pull from maybe a past incident that happened to you. I forgot what that's
1: called. Sense memory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you,
0: what's your thoughts on that? Uh,
1: Ideally, right, we're going to be working from our imagination. We're going to imagine that we're the character, that we're in the situation, that we're in the situation with the person that we are we're acting with, that the given circumstances of our story become our given circumstances. So we don't have to draw from our emotional history, but sometimes that's not possible. And there can be, you know, situations where in a highly emotional point in close-ups, and in whatever, where you're, you're working by yourself almost and having to draw on stuff, then maybe that's the time to dig into your past. But I don't... I don't recommend it. I mean, I, I don't do personal sense memory work in my classes because I've done them in other acting classes and seen students really like access stuff that's really tough and break down. And, you know, the teacher's not a psychologist. They can't help that person. And then then they're sort of left in this state, you know, and I just I I don't think acting teachers are psychologists, nor should they try to be. Um, unless maybe they are trained as both. I'm not saying that you don't use psychology to approach a character, but I just don't feel that it's correct for the coach to kind of mine those memories and stuff.
0: Yeah. Especially like you said, um, what do you do afterwards? (laughs) You know, it's like, you're really leaving them. Yeah. The trauma.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You're leaving them in the trauma. You're leaving them vulnerable. Um, and, and that's just not, it's not fair. It's not right. I don't, anyway, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah.
0: And then you've acted and you're directed. Do you have a preference? I
1: think. One um, over the other, or? I mean, it's been a while since I've done some acting. And what I, I mean, what I love about acting is diving deep into a character and really doing as much work as I can to fill out their life and their history. And that can be really, really gratifying. But I love the big picture. I love all the aspects that go into directing, both on stage and on film. I haven't done stage for a long time, but I, I just love the big picture. And uh,
0: how are you as a director, it, being an actor and then now a director? Um, are you like the actor's director? I forgot the, the way it goes, but just like, um, how do you nurture and support your actors? How do you work with them?
1: Are you hands on? Are you like, hey, just do your thing? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm probably an actor's director because I don't come, come at directing from a technical point. I didn't go to film school. I'm not a camera op, you know, so probably call myself an actor's director. We do as much prep with the character and, and understanding what's going on in the scene and the dynamics, et cetera. And then once we're actually on set, I try to be as hands-off with the actors as I can to give them the freedom to explore. You know, I'm not like
0: micromanaging
1: them. (laughs) I am not micromanaging the actors. Right. I mean, that's their, uh, you know, I feel once they've been able to explore the character, ask me questions about what's happening, then, you know, that's their work and what they get to bring to the table.
0: Now, do you believe in rehearsals, rehearsal, rehearsal? Absolutely.
1: And yeah, but that's not always possible. Yeah, that's true with, with (laughs) the money.
0: (laughs) Aspect
1: of it and with, with the money and actually with availability, you know, of people and and so it's not, it's just not always possible to do the level of rehearsal. I'd love to do. Yeah,
0: you also have film acting retreats. <laughs> How did you come about that?
1: Well, um,
0: in foreign countries, mind in, you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, well, it actually it had the the idea came about twelve years ago. Actually, I was in this wonderful. I don't know what you'd call it. It's a farm that's now turned into like an agritourism or something in uh in Tuscany called La Foche. when I was there, I was like, oh my God, this would be such a great place to like you know have an acting retreat. people do yoga retreats, people do you know whatever right, right. so I actually went back to Lafoche and to that area um a couple of years later and mapped out the whole retreat and where we were gonna go and what we were you know we were gonna uh do scenes from films that had been filmed in that area and then actually go to the locations where they were filmed and then kind of have a night of screening of the scenes and of the film. Anyway, that was uh, 2008, 2009 when the world fell apart because the stock market crashed and you know, there was a horrible recession and it was like, well, that doesn't really seem like a great time to, for people to be spending money to go on a film acting retreat. All right. And, and actually my first idea, but I had never made a film when I first thought of it. And then three years ago I was like, why don't we try to make a movie over there and do a film acting retreat a- as a film? And I had no idea if it was going to go. I kind of just put it together and put it out there and it filled up like in a week. And with my co-writer, Lisa and I, we came up with a script and somehow made it happen.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hear, I know a lot of people that have gone, just what a wonderful experience. It it was or is. Do you have like a cap of how many people or is it based on the script?
1: No, there's a there's a cap. We were a little large for our French when we had 14, but 12 is really ideal. And, you know, so obviously, these are ensemble scripts, it is combining a love of travel with a love of acting. So it's kind of an ideal, ideal way to spend a week in a, you know, beautiful place and make a movie.
0: Now, is there a criteria of who can go out of your acting groups?
1: Well, or anybody, <laughs> um, you know, pretty much people have had to have studied for about six months and thus far, actually, there's only been one person who's come on the retreat who hasn't been one of my students. So, cause I offer it up to them first and then they've kind of been the ones to jump aboard and we have several people that are re- repeating. So this year we're going to Portugal and probably 50% of people that have been in previous two films. Retreats,
0: right? And then last year you went to France. Yes, we did. <laughs> yes. Oh my God! Beautiful France. And then in Tuscany, you were in a castle.
1: Yep. And, yeah, we were in a castle in it was Umbria and uh, a chateau in the Loire Valley in France. Wow, beautiful, beautiful. I mean, yeah, I was hearing and the costumes
0: from the France one. I mean. Wow. I mean, to have to bring all that stuff, was that, is that hard, you know, to have to coordinate and then bring all the
1: costumes?
0: Because
1: that was a period piece. Well, th- there was a section that was a period piece. That was sort of our possible ghost moment, dream sequence. We're trying to leave it a little ambiguous. That was just a piece, actually, like a four minute piece of the film. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I mean the logistics of making all this happen, of figuring out like what equipment we're going to rent in France and what equipment we're going to bring over, and how to kind of break up the costume, and yeah, it's it's logistically is is um, challenging. Right now, do you speak any? Uh, did you
0: speak Italian or f- French? <laughs>
1: I'm a language dilettante, Tammy, so I'll study like a little bit and just enough to get me in trouble and to not, you know, understand what people are saying to me. Okay. And and for them not to be able to understand me in this mix mash of French, Spanish, you know, Italian comes out, I was able to do, I'm able to communicate a little bit, but like I said, just enough to get me in trouble.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's good. Well, yeah, because I would think that that might be a challenge. But I know a lot of foreign countries, they do speak English. So if they help us
1: out. <laughs> they help us out. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And then you have the uh, multimedia showcases, which I think, and I've, I've been to one of yours. Phenomenal what you do for oh, your students. Thank you. I mean, I've never heard of that. I mean, other acting coaches, maybe they do it, but I haven't heard of that. And I thought, wow, what an opportunity for your students to, kind of present themselves and get a taste of theater. Mm-hmm. So can you tell me a little bit about the showcase how it how it works in uh, the video part to the theater part?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So kind of was born out of necessity in a way because I was doing live showcases many, many years ago that didn't have a filmed portion, but I'd have like uh, TV screens Up, so you could see the actors and I try to block them for camera, but it was not 100% satisfying, you know, (laughs) not knowing any better. (laughs) Uh, I asked a cinematographer friend of mine, John O'Wells, how hard would it be to go in and shoot these scenes? I've not had any experience doing any film at all, except being an actor on it and discovered just how challenging it was, but we did it. And first hybrid was kind of not that successful. And we worked on it, Till I think it got into into being a pretty successful format. So the students work on the film portion for about six weeks, and then we work on the stage portion for about six weeks, which is, you know, for somebody who hasn't done theater, that's not really enough time to get them ready, but, you know, it's only like three minutes. So, you know, we do everything we can to kind of build a theater vocabulary and uh, ways to work on stage. As you probably know, I, we, I did that for 15 years, or this was going to be 2020, 2020 was going to be the 15th year. And one day before we were supposed to go into the theater, we went into lockdown. That was devastating, right? Because the students had been working on this for three months, maybe even longer, really looking forward to it. And, you know, it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking for me and for them. I mean, the one good thing was that we, we had thumb drives of all their scenes, which we would have been giving out at the theater itself. And I was able to mail those to folks, you know, but nobody was doing any filming or any work during the shutdown. So the agents that normally take on new people, they weren't taking anybody, you know, so it was just, it was really, you know, it was a sad thing to happen. I'm reconsidering how I'm going to do showcase in the future. And it may only be going on set and filming and getting, scenes for their reels, which have proved to be pretty helpful for them getting work and not doing the live portion just because I don't think any of us could handle if something like that were to happen again. Uh, well, that's too bad
0: because it really gives actors an opportunity to see what theater's like. Because I know. I know the difference is the voice. Yeah. <laughs> you really have to project and you yep. don't have the subtle nuances of the face that can be seen. Yep. So it's a different right. type of acting. It is. And I know that I, I was talking to Alan Vasquez, that's who I went to go see. And mm-hmm. he is so amazing and stuff. And, um, you know, and he was just sharing about like, Oh, my God, it was Yes, it was really freaky right before. And I bet that's really scary. For the first time, film is different, because <laughs> You have a, you know, a smaller crew sometimes and not like an audience of people right, right. Or their friends and stuff. But yeah, I just, just such wonderful performances to see the, uh, what I loved was what you have is you have the video go first and then they're kind of like continuing the scene. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Right, right, right. Or there's a scene a little bit later yeah. in the film. Yeah.
0: And also you put together a packet for them, the headshot, their mm-hmm. resume, everybody. So, can you talk to me about that? Like, what what made you think of doing that? And then, don't you invite um, agents and directors Mm -hmm. and people to come?
1: Right, agents, independent filmmakers, casting directors, all of that. I think I'd gone to another showcase up in LA and saw that they had done that, and I'm like, yeah, you know, then that gives them access to all the actors' information and the headshots if they need them or want to call them in or think they should get new headshots or whatever, right? And then they also received the all their videos so they could watch that again, you know, if they wanted to. Yeah, that's so wonderful. That's really great. And who knows, Tammy, you know, I mean, I might, <laughs> I might get the heart to do it again. It's just, it uh, it's just something kind of broke, you know, yeah. when that happened. I mean, I think had it happened, you know, three months beforehand or something, it, it wouldn't have been, you know, but the day before <laughs> was, was rough. Yeah.
0: That is tough, but I do hope you, you know, with time (laughs) will heal that trauma (laughs) and then uh, you'll come back because it is a wonderful, I think, opportunity for people, for your students to do
1: that. It is. It is. And they have to work with you for a year or so, right? Well, the whole whole process actually is about six months and most folks had been with me, you know, at least six months before we start that. So what's on the horizon for you?
0: Working on any films? or?
1: Well, um... Yes, next week, actually, I'm getting together with my co-writer, Lisa, to start the Portugal script. So we're going to Portugal in October this year, and we have our locations and everything set up. It's in this gorgeous part of Portugal called Algarve, and it's right on the southernmost tip. And this location is very different where we've been before, which has been really in the country, and this is really overlooking the ocean and actually is in the royal family, the Portuguese royal family, the house. Wow! So we're excited about that. All I can see is there's supposed to be a wedding as part of the film. All right. Nice. And so this is part of a trilogy. So the characters that started in Italy, their characters travel through the three short films. So each film can stand alone, but there's also a thread that runs through them. And so you have some
0: characters coming back or are they different
1: people? No, no. Their characters are coming back. So their characters are evolving through each film.
0: Okay. And same actor though. Yeah. Same actor. (laughs) That would be funny.
1: Sometimes (laughs) that happens,
0: you know, yeah. Uh, Yeah. 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 And, and how long do you typically go down to shoot? How long is, we're just there for a week. Okay.
1: Wow. So, um, yeah, we shot all of, uh, France in a week. Um, except we had two scenes that we had to, had to finish up, uh, which we did last month and Italy was a week, and then I think there was two days in, in the States. And also,
0: you've created the San Diego Movie Awards. Can you tell us a little bit about why you wanted to create it and what it is?
1: Uh, this idea came to me during the pandemic. I was submitting a castle in Umbria for a variety of film festivals. Happy to say that it did pretty well on the festival circuit. And I thought, well, there's there's not really anything quite like The kinds of festivals I'm submitting to in San Diego, there's the big San Diego International Film Festival, which at this point has, you know, gotten to the point where they're getting Sundance winners and professional premieres of films and stuff. So it's not really for the smaller independent filmmaker anymore. And then there's the San Diego Film Festival, which is primarily geared toward San Diego films, right? And there are a variety of other film festivals here, Asian American, Latin American, Black Film Festival, GI Film Festival, Oceanside, et cetera but no real kind of quarterly festivals. And I just thought, I want to make this space for kind of the mid-level or even entry-level filmmakers to submit their films and have them evaluated. And uh, I put it together, you know, and put it up. And we've had probably about 400 submissions so far. And we're in our final quarter coming up. We're going to have our in-person festival in August at MOPA at Museum of Photographic Arts. I'm really, I'm so excited by the quality of the films and the subject matter of the films that we've received. The international films, there've been some Italian films that are amazing. And this quarter, we got some really beautiful message films one with five Academy Award winners, featured dramatic film on Alzheimer's, and another film from Taiwan on breast cancer. So there's just been, I don't know, just amazing films on the painted trucks of Nepal, which I didn't know anything about. And, you know, many, many documentaries, one that was luckily had a hopeful message on on female mutilation that was but anyway, Power Films and Powerful Messages, and, and there's been some great submissions from folks in San Diego as well. So, oh, wow. So it will be this nice mix, I think, of national, international, and local films so how we'll be able
0: to, Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, how many... Okay, so you got over 400 submissions. How many will be selected?
1: So there's three levels of categories that you can win in. So Award of Excellence is like top tier, and then prestige, and then merit. So we'll be pulling from the awards of excellent films to show and maybe some of the other ones in a variety of categories. There's actually $2,500 cash prize to the best feature 1500 to the best short, the best shorts and best features obviously are going to be shown and then a variety in different categories, horror, thriller, female filmmakers, that kind of thing.
0: Oh, great. How many uh, judges do you have? Nine, nine, because that's a lot of films to watch especially if some of them are feature films.
1: <laughs> it's <laughs> true. And then there's also, um, we have a screenplay category. And so we've received quite a few screenplays as well. And and that's time consuming to, to uh, read and evaluate those, those, but we've gotten some really good ones. And what's the criteria
0: to be a judge?
1: Mostly that you've had experience, professional experience in uh, the field that you're judging in. Um, so, and that's true across the board for everybody who's our judge. Okay. Well, that'll
0: be exciting. Yes. It's a quarterly. So every quarter it's opened up again for people to submit. And then what's the cutoff between uh, the quarters to then bring to the live?
1: Well, this is our first year. So the final quarter is going to be May and then we'll have it in August.
0: Okay. So. And will it be anybody from the last year can be in that? Yes. From, from the, the live or only? from the No, last no. Quarter? From all
1: four quarters right, we'll be selecting films from all four quarters, because that's actually the year, right? And so it's an annual festival. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I can't wait to see him. I love a good film.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, great. Okay, well,
0: so look out for that. Um, And then any advice for actors out there? Anything you would
1: give them? (laughs) I guess it depends on kind of where an actor is in their career, right? I mean, What if somebody
0: wants to get into film, you know, what would you kind of suggest they do? And maybe they're just starting out.
1: Well, and I have a lot of students that, you know, for whom that's the case. And, um, I mean, certainly you need to get some training behind you before you get out and you, you know, you've got to have a headshot and what you can put on a resume. And I really advise actors to get the best possible headshot they can up front, you know, even if they're just starting out. just because that's how you're presenting yourself. That's the first anybody's seeing you. So, you know, you don't, some actors are like, oh, I've got a friend who gives a head. You know, I'm like, no, don't do that. Please don't do that. (laughs) Right, I know, I've heard that too. (laughs) You know, you want to present yourself as professional, right? And then San Diego is a great place to, you know, there's tons of student films that are going on and independent films. And once they have um, some foundation for both auditioning and acting, I'd say, you know, just go because, the process of auditioning is learning experience, right? I mean, every single audition is an opportunity to learn an opportunity to possibly be considered for another role. Yeah. I mean, just go out and audition once you've, you know, once you've got some, some experience behind you. And maybe, um, what's some
0: advice for auditioning? Like, should you dress like the role? What should you bring? And then how should you really handle yourself within it, within the audition?
1: (laughs) Well, that's kind of a two-parter because so many auditions now are online. That's true. So in fact, most auditions until you get maybe to the callback stage are going to be self-submissions. And now an actor is also kind of expected to be a tech director. And you know, you need to have a good background behind you. You need to have good lighting. You need to know how to frame yourself. And uh, you need to know where I line. I mean, all of that is so important and who's going to read your lines to you, which, you know, there's some apps available that you can do that. If you don't have another person to do it, you can read into the cold read app and it, it feeds stuff back to you. Really getting yourself familiar with that format is so important. And because so many technically proficient auditions go out there, if yours has a bunch of stuff in the background and the lighting's bad and sound bad and, you know, right, if the performance is great, it kind of doesn't matter. Because people get turned off by that, Uh, unfortunately, right? But there's just an expectation now. Um, And in terms of in-person auditions, it's important to think about them as a couple of things. First, an opportunity to act, an opportunity to come in and, and, you know, because maybe you get to act in class and a couple times you're in a show or whatever. But auditions are a great opportunity to like, this is what I do, you know, let me bring my stuff. But to also remember that it's a job interview, you want to be friendly, but not overly talkative and just kind of listen a lot, make sure that you're following directions, you go into a room and you see a mark head for it, <laughs> you know, right. figure no know, know what your eyeline is, your reader, that kind of stuff, you know, wait, maybe a couple minutes when you're finished with the audition. And if they don't say anything to you, just say thanks and leave. And, the, and then in terms of preparing for the audition, I think an actor should be memorized, absolutely, but also always bring your script because you're in this brand new room and your memory can just really disappear the minute you get in there with all these new people. So you kind of have that as a security blanket and just make sure that you've made strong choices in terms of, of who you are and what you want. And, then the, and the final thing is that the actor really needs to have imagined the person that they're talking to really listen and respond, because that's a thing that happens quite often in an audition. It's just kind of about saying your lines and waiting, and not realizing you're in a conversation and you're reacting to what the person's saying. So acting is reacting, right? Right. And I've also heard,
0: if your headshot is a serious type, you don't go into an audition joking around, you should really be the type that is that what are your thoughts on that? Like, be who you're presenting yourself to be okay, so, in your headshot or for the role? Yeah.
1: Role. So normally an actor is going to have a commercial shot and a, and a dramatic shot, right? A theatrical shot. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be submitting your commercial shot for a theatrical role and vice versa. So I think it's important to look like your headshot. Absolutely. I actually recommend that students wear what they're wearing in their headshot. So there's There's this immediate association with the picture and the person I called in and they come in and they look like that. And that makes them really happy because their number one complaint is actors don't look like their headshots. But you don't need to be serious when you're meeting the person because you're coming in for a serious role. And in fact, I think it's better to make a distinction between yourself and the character. And then
0: I've also heard you get your headshots because you want to play a certain, like maybe you want lawyer roles or doctor role, you know, you have this persona, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Or you're the goofy, goofy person, right? How does one, do you think that people just kind of know who they are or through the acting classes,
1: they figure that out? Well, that's a great question. I actually do this questionnaire with my students and has a whole bunch of different types on it. And students anonymously go through and check off about each other and what kind of roles that they they think they could play. I mean, it's interesting, right? You can be a very goofy person, but somehow your persona or energy projects, you know, strength and corporate that those are the kind of roles you're going to get. I mean, there's something, there's like an essence that every human being Carries with them. I'm not saying you can't play against your essence, but play aspects of it. But for the most part, physicality plays a huge role in the types of roles you're going to be considered for.
0: Yeah, and I like that you do a questionnaire with the other actors for them because sometimes we don't always see ourselves right that way.
1: Right, right. Our perception of how of uh, how we but appear right. is not always going to be uh, what other people see i mean i was sort of it was sort of like that for me because i consider myself pretty goofy but for whatever reason i would get cast in sort of more corporate type things so that was always interesting to me i always felt like i really have to i can't really be myself Uh,
0: (laughs) you know this is my mainly for commercial work yeah it is funny that way like uh especially if we don't like the persona somebody's putting on us what do you do with that (laughs) this is true too (laughs) well i mean terry thank you so much for being on the show i think that uh the takeaways are a lot of good good insight from you um for acting um also showcase work and and um just getting out there and doing films so i really appreciate your time and thank you for your expertise
1: all right tammy it was great to be here and thanks for having me
0: Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to get out there and make a film. Reach out to your local filmmakers group to get involved and connect. Please subscribe to the show if you like it and follow me on Instagram at Tammy McGarrow. Until we meet again, what's your story?